You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Bits of Gold, episode 129. Today's episode is all about what it really takes to build the next great CPG brand. Welcome to Bits of Gold, episode 129. Today's episode is all about taking the leap from the life you have to the life you want, from investment banking to entrepreneurship. Welcome back to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you're new here, first off, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Second, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, let's get to it. Is there a change in your life that you know you want to make? But do you struggle to take the leap, to make the jump, to take the dive you really want? On today's episode, I sit down with David Greenfeld, the founder and CEO of Dream Pops. Dream Pops is one of the fastest growing plant-based ice cream and confectionery brands in the U.S. He was recently named Forbes 30 Under 30 Class of 2020 for food and drink, and in a few short years has built and scaled a vertically integrated factory and supply chain servicing more than 6,500 retailers with plans to reach 8,000 by year's end. David took the leap from a life of financial security as an investment banker to pursue his dream in building the next great plant-based ice cream and confectionery brand. David put it so well in the episode. He said, life is short. You should strive to wake up every day and love what you do. The financial piece is important. You need to take care of yourself, but you need to be thoughtful in what you want to do with the limited amount of time that you have on this planet. David knew he wanted to make change, and he took the jump. Six years later, it's finally paying off. I hope this episode inspires you to take action and make the jump you dream of in your own life. And now let's welcome David to the show. David, welcome to the Bits of Gold podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, really excited to have you on. Big fan of uh, Dream Pop, so excited to tell a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, man. I'm happy to take it from the top. It's been a six and a half year journey. It's been incredibly exciting, tons of highs, tons of lows, but zero regrets. You know, I think that's the most important piece of it, so... Awesome. Let's take it right back to to the beginning. Maybe you could share a little bit about you, who you are, and your business. Yeah. So my name is David Greenfeld. I'm the CEO and founder of Dream Pops. Dream Pops is on a mission to reimagine and rethink American cult classic desserts. So think of the popsicle. We created a Dream Pop, a geometric popsicle, which was our first product. Nestle's Dibs, we created bites, plant-based snackable ice cream bites. Our most recent innovation is Dream Pop's Crunch. It's kind of our take on a candy crunch bite, malted milk ball, Butterfinger sits right in that set. We're always less than 10 ingredients, lower in sugar, no high fructose corn syrup, no artificial flavors. This is about delivering on taste and quality and really not using any of those terrible ingredients that some of the biggest food companies in the world are using. Can you deliver on a nostalgic dessert experience with none of the junk and with a really fun, inspiring brand and story? That's amazing. I've had the product and it's absolutely delicious. I need to try the Crunch. It's like the latest one, no? Yeah, so the Crunch is our latest product. It's only on D2C and Amazon, slowly rolling into retail. But you know what? What we do is really simple. Like I've always, as a kid, I've had the biggest sweet tooth on the planet. And whether that's Dunkaroos, Gushers, Dippin' Dots, 
bomb pops, all sorts of uh, sweets. I ate so many as a kid. And the older I got, the more health conscious I got. In another life, I was in finance, suit and tie every day in my cubicle, eating all that garbage. And one night I kind of flipped over a Haagen-Dazs bar and I just started looking at what I was eating. And with putting in those hours, working that hard, but also not really taking care of myself, it wasn't a great formula. And so I started to think and research candy, confection, the history of candy. I would recommend anyone to watch The Food That Built America on the History Channel. Kind of talks about Milton Hershey and the Mars family. These amazing stories, Carvel, all these different brands, the histories behind them and why they exist. And I got really inspired. And so at a certain point, I ended up quitting my finance job. I went, I was fully vegan. And I said, you know, I think I can fix this. I think we can build a team that develops. We started with the popsicle, that geometric dream pop. And the broader vision was always, can we create a six ingredient popsicle, coconut milk based with superfoods, stunning design, and then build a brand around that, that really delivers on that core mission of being a better for you plant-based alternative. And uh, here we are six and a half years later, we're in about 6,000 grocery stores in the US and Canada, and we have a ton of innovation and just great, great products that are on the way. Let's go backwards. So when you were in finance, right? What compelled you to actually take the leap and leave that job? I think it was a breaking point for me where I was prioritizing financial gain. I was sitting in my workstation really unhappy. I had been working so hard to work up the ranks and become an associate. And in my heart of hearts, I just knew that this is not what I wanted to continue doing. It was really challenging because I was making a great living and I had succeeded based on my goals out of college and what I wanted to accomplish. But I felt as though that formula would not would not work over five, 10 plus years and that I couldn't see myself doing this because it got so redundant. I've always been in love with consumer packaged goods. Some of my fondest memories are, you know, when I think about even going to ball games, like eating a Wetzel's pretzel, cinnamon pretzel, Dippin' Dots, like these food products were tied to childhood nostalgic emotions for me. I think looking back at it philosophically, it makes a lot of sense that I was always drawn to these products. And I'm not surprised that I ended up coming to that I wanted to go do this on my own, especially for someone who's lactose intolerant, that health is, is a priority. I think that you can take those values and apply them to a sector that typically has relied on sugar and bad ingredients to retain those those customers uh, for decades. How challenging was it to actually make that move and take that leap and leave behind like the security you have? Obviously, if you go into finance, like in the eyes of society, you know you're you're on a very successful track. Was that very challenging to walk away from all that security, stability in pursuit of becoming happier in in your day to day? No question. One of the biggest challenges. And so I think I would break it down to being out with, you know, family and friends, just having, I think it was even challenging for my parents to understand like, oh, what's David up to? You know, he's selling popsicles, got a popsicle company. And to be put in that box of it's a popsicle company, like, no, 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 like we're building the next Hershey's of plant-based products. But it's really challenging for people to see that vision when it's cooking up here. It's going to take me five to seven years to show what that means. You can even see characters on the back of our walls. You know, there's, there's a much bigger vision than even just the food that we're imagining in this business. But those first two to three years are really going to make or break an entrepreneur. And when I talk to other founders going out to do this, regardless of the product, I just ask them, like, are you willing to get 300 plus rejections when you're raising money, when you're taking sales meetings? Are you willing to let people mock you 
publicly or in your face or behind your back. The amount of colleagues I had in finance that were like, David quit his job and is selling popsicles at the grocery store. He's sampling at Erewhon right now. <laughs> and I would have people I knew in finance that would come in and make fun of me and wow. talk shit. It was a huge insecurity. I had to really take that head on and say, I'm going to do this. And if I lose friendships or colleagues or people's respect in the process, then they shouldn't be in my life anyway. And I think finally, you know, at three and a half, four years, five years, things started to work. We went from 20 grocery stores to a few hundred to a few thousand. And then the whole dialogue and narrative changes when people understand the vision. So I just think it's back to your question, incredibly hard. I had nights where I was, you know, I cried, thought I ruined my career. I took my savings from all that hard work and embed on myself. But I would never be in the position I am in if I didn't do that. And so it's how bad do you want it? Are you willing to give everything you have to make your vision manifest? And if that answer is yes, then you'll be sitting in a really exciting version of yourself five years later. When you were still in finance, did you already tinker, come up with, hey, I'm going to go and do this business? Or did that really come as like after you left? You formulated a plan and what you wanted to do before leaving. I had this, like, this idea directionally that I wanted to create a confection company. But a lot of people had a tough time seeing that when I just had one product, a frozen popsicle, when our team had one product. The vision for what it was going to become was always there. I even would draw it out when I was still in iBanking. I would draw pictures of what the products might even look like. And it's pretty surreal looking back at those notebooks and seeing kind of what it's become. But your question, sorry, was did I know what we were building at the outset or? Yeah, like when you're still in finance, you have the job, you know, you're going to leave it. Did you already formulate like I'm doing this business or you were just like, I got to get out of here. I'm unhappy and I'm going to figure out kind of what's next. I was building it for about a year and change while I was still doing investment banking. So I would recommend doing both and getting some sort of a core, a product, an MVP before making the jump. I see people do it. It's a lot harder because if you can still stay in your job and maybe it's not the most popular opinion, but I think you need to have something that you're looking at. I had a product. We had a product. We had some IP. We had a deck and a model and we're like, okay, we're going to go sell Dream Pops D to C in grocery stores. We have a way to make it. We have margins projected. So I would say having some sort of a minimum viable product would be highly recommended. How did you even go about getting started and figuring out all the... You're in banking, you're in, you're in finance, and you got to go figure out how to get food made. Someone might look at that and say, wow, how do you even start that? Picking up the phone, sending cold emails, uh, LinkedIn, massive doing this. I actually... So what I started doing was I would reach out to any CPG founder I could possibly talk to on LinkedIn, on Instagram, DM them. Hey, can I buy you lunch? Can I buy you coffee? Okay, no. Can I talk for 10 minutes on the phone? Anything. And I started to realize, wow, these are really impactful conversations that other people should probably hear. And so I, you know, I started a podcast and I started interviewing CPG founders. I did about 70 episodes from 2018 to 2019. And I'm, you know, I've taken a break, but I'm bringing it back, A, because I love it, but B, because the amount of learnings you get from talking to that many folks who have done this already was unbelievable. And then on top of that, just anytime I could sit down with another founder in this space and food and beverage, it's a really amazing community. And so people who have done it are willing to give you their time and help out. I do that. It's a really great community there. But yeah, I literally show up at factories, show up at people's offices, cold email, cold call. You know, you can figure out anything if you Google hard enough. Anyone in the space try to talk you out of building, like give you a reason why you shouldn't go into this business? 
tons investors, retail buyers that, you know, I would go into meetings and pitch, look, David, you're a really good kid. You're wasting your time. Frozen's impossible. You're never going to break through. You're never going to be able to afford the slotting fees. Like thousands of people probably in the early, early days. Now it's the script is flipped because you can look at data that proves that things are working, right? Yeah, absolutely. I just refuse to take no for an answer. It's definitely interesting because I feel sometimes, I was talking about this with someone a couple of weeks ago, but sometimes when you're early on in your career, you have sort of like this, this hunch on your... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com and you're like, I'm going to make it happen no matter what. But sometimes, you know, that could be a, maybe you have the right attitude, but not the right business. And it's hard to persevere maybe after you, you hit a hiccup, a road bump, your first failure, or you get the door slammed on you the first 100 times. Yeah, I'll say too, right? Like our popsicles are a great piece of our business, but really the bigger piece is their second, it's our second product, the Bites. And that's really got more distribution and become bigger. And so I was in love with that first product. But the truth of the matter is sometimes your second product is your most successful product. Sometimes your third, being able to pivot and react. We had flavors of our dream popsicles that did not perform. And if I was just stubborn and didn't listen to the market or the data, we would have gone out of business. So you have to listen to the data and the people, but you you have to be stubborn, but you also need to be listening, if that makes sense. Stubborn in vision, but flexible in execution. Absolutely. I want to just go back and highlight one more thing. When you were weighing like the making money initially, because obviously when you first start a business, you're not pulling money out of the business. You know, you're putting your money back into the business. Coming from the world that you were in to then pursuing this dream and you want to do something that's making you happier. How did you actually go about like thinking through that piece of it? Because you got to obviously take, like you mentioned, you dove deep into your savings. And again, like the security, I feel like that's something that really gets a lot of people hung up. No question. Off the cuff, like looking at how risky this business is even now. Financially, if I was making pure decisions financially, this would not make sense. So it comes down to I was only making decisions based on prioritizing financial gain. I then took a step back and I said, I want to create something that maybe billions of people will enjoy that solves a problem. And I need to be irrational, but also realistic and embrace my creativity. I also need to be realistic in the sense that I'm moving in with my mom, saving money and not paying myself for X number of years if I want to make this happen. There are a lot of things that that comes with. That means I'm not living the way I used to live as an investment banker. I'm going to live with my mom and I'm going to make these sacrifices so that 
35, 40 plus year old version of David Greenfeld is proud and happy and has freedom in a different way than just pure financial freedom. Look, it's not an easy calculation. There's no right answer. When should you pay yourself? When should you not? Every business is different. And what matters is thinking about it as an infinite game versus a finite game. How do I keep playing? Because the longer I play, the better I'm going to get. And the more financial upside will happen if I'm just compounding growth. And knowing my outlook when I started, I wanted to grow like Warby Parker. I wanted to grow like Casper, like all these D2C brands that shot up via hockey sticks, right? And like Daily Harvest. And the truth is we're in a very different world and different time. And I didn't grow as fast as I wanted, but I compounded. I always was growing and getting better. And I arguably think that puts us in a better spot in 10 years than maybe some of these other brands. What would you say has been the hardest part of building the business thus far? Frozen as a category has less entrance, so less competition from new entrants, still a ton of existing competition, very limited frozen real estate in the grocery stores. And you have one to two chances a year to pitch to the category manager or the buyer on bringing you in. So it's like applying to college every year. So the biggest challenge is you need to run your business in a fiscally responsible way that allows you to get to that review cycle every single year, a year out, and you're selling in your sales cycle is six months. So maintaining the real estate, getting the real estate, proving that you can win really hard. Manufacturing frozen products and shipping them around the country, insanely hard. Getting margin and making sure that your product and marketing is differentiated, really hard. But I think that when you do it, there are very few people in the world that can do it at that level. And so you can break through. But frozen, it's hard to sell online. We couldn't ride the D2C wave. We had to find other avenues to build it in grocery. The crunch product, that doesn't have to be frozen anymore. Correct. So now we can leverage the brand equity we've built in frozen to show that we can make a shelf stable product and then sell it D2C, Amazon, and in existing grocery stores. That's amazing. So in regards to like, you obviously left, you're building an incredible business. You were very thoughtful in in how you went about in approaching that. I'm curious in other areas of your life now, like looking back to how you go about living your life today, do you do anything in your life as it relates to living thoughtfully or how you go about your day-to-day compared to maybe when you were back in banking and you were more in like the day-to-day of that life? I think when I was in finance, I was really focused on like comparison and what other people were doing. What's my next path? Am I going into private equity? What's What are my other analysts or associates doing? What are the guys above me doing? What can I do better? And I was really concerned about reacting based on my colleagues. In entrepreneurship, you can't do that. You have to just think about what you're building every single day. Every business product, your competition are all different. And so if you're reacting to your competition, then you're not building an authentic brand. So that's a different way of thinking. Separately, just far more patient. I meditate every single day and I do an act, you know, it's a visualization, breath work, gratitude. I have my family. I get to wake up and do what I love. Maybe things aren't happening as fast as I want them to, but I love what I do every single day. Weekends don't feel, when I have to work weekends, they don't feel like I'm working anymore. I don't know what day of the week it is because I love what I'm doing and I just get to play every day. So, you know, play is work. I've been reading this book, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, and I was in a finite game where I had to show up and I had people telling me what to do. Now I'm, I'm living in an infinite game type of a scenario where all I want to do is keep building and inspiring and delighting people and customers and building a community. And so I know if, I, if our team can just keep doing that for another five to 10 years, we're going to be in a really exciting position. 
what do you see as the future for the business? I mean, we want to build the next Hershey's, Mars, or Ferrero of plant-based products and better-for-you products. I think you know there is a really exciting opportunity to storytell, to create intellectual property, to create mascots and characters that people love, to create other products that are in line with our values. And you know, there are just so many brands and products that consumers love in the world that don't need to have high fructose corn syrup, that don't need to have some of these really terrible ingredients. And so if we can make an impact and replace those products, that's a pretty exciting legacy. Do you think those ingredients will ever be banned in, in the US or no? Like, <laughs> you think there's a world in 20 years from now where that's not even a part that's in the shelf? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know if they'll be banned. I think it's interesting when you start to see Snickers launching a high protein Snickers bar or Gogurt in a Dunkaroo, like a Dunkaroo Gogurt innovation. The big guys are trying to innovate. The problem is they have so much infrastructure and brand equity and loyalty based on what they have. So for them to change the formula, it's really high risk. Mm. And, you know, a better for you product from Snickers is just really hard to believe for like that next gen consumer. I think that it's going to take time. People even now, they look at plant-based and they're like, there's no way plant-based ice cream, that can't taste as great as dairy. But I think as more and more consumers dive deeper into educating themselves about what's in their product and what's in their food and how it makes them feel, food as medicine is definitely going to change the grocery store shelf. What's some of your favorite CPG brands that aren't Dream Pops? Chubby Snacks, which is an Uncrustable, better for you Uncrustable, replacing an iconic product. I love that value proposition. Mezcla, which is kind of like a Rice Krispie, but plant-based and better for you. Daring Chicken, which is a plant-based chicken product and company. Amazing vision that Ross is, is building over at that company. Mush, better for you overnight oatmeal company. I could name a, a million, but those are some that come to mind. Well, David, we covered a lot of bits of gold on living on purpose and all around your journey. Are there any bits of gold that we have not covered that you want our listeners to hear? I would just say... I'm trying to be more and more stoic. Like I'm a very emotional person when with the huge wins, I'm up here with the losses, with the pain, the challenges, I'm down here. And if you're going to go all in and bet on yourself, you need to find a way to remove emotion or reduce emotion from the equation. Otherwise, you will have real challenges from a, a mental health perspective, which is something I've learned all the hard way. And I think just making sure that you love what you're doing. Life's short. And I feel very blessed. Almost five and a half years just woke up every day and just I get to build and create something that I love. And I remember sitting in my desk in a suit and tie every day, just really feeling the opposite of that. And uh, the financial piece is really important. You got to take care of yourself. But I kept thinking to myself, man, what if I were to do X, Y, or Z? What would my life look like? What opportunities would would I have? What rooms would I be able to sit in? And so just being really thoughtful on, on what you want to do with the limited amount of time that you have on this planet. I love it. How do you manage the emotional highs and lows? Because that's obviously something that's extremely challenging, especially I'd say for a first-time founder, that can be extremely challenging. I'm still still learning. I think having this daily practice, it has helped me manage that and going to, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my health, visualizing what happens in success. I think noticing the small wins and the amazing people you have around you. It's funny how gratitude really, it's so simple, but it really does work. Yeah. It's just to build your own company. It's so freaking hard. And so 
you have to really think in five year stints, like three to five years, what happens versus like every day. If you're just checking in every day on on the progress, you're gonna you're not gonna make it. At any rate, I think it's it's really just about you know being present and believing in yourself and not allowing others to project their insecurities on you or question you and to allow their questioning to get inside of you because that'll that'll hold you back too. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can people follow you and go try some Dream Pops? Instagram at Dream Pops, at Dream Pops on TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube Shorts, www.dreampops.com, and then head over to Whole Foods, GoPuff, Cinderella, The Chicos, Winn-Dixie, Wegmans, all over the country. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. All the links for this episode can be found in the show notes. There were so many bits of gold in this one. I really feel David hit the nail on the head. Life is short. You have to be thoughtful in how you spend your limited time on this planet. And if you're not happy, know that you have agency, that you can make the necessary change. Life is simply too short to wake up and do shit you hate, period. Let me know how it goes. I want to hear from you. If you decide to take a jump this week, shoot me a message on Instagram at Dan Love Goldberg or at the Bits of Gold Podcast. Finally, if you can, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts as it really helps with growing the show. That's all for today. Thanks for living with purpose today and every day, and I'll see you next time. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.